0: An invasion. Welcome back, weirdos. Tonight is a very special episode for you. Unfortunately, it is only myself, Agent H, and Agent B, Bookman Bob, the G Man. Has come down with a case of lycanthropy, or at least that's what it looked like with how hairy that son is. <laughs> I don't know if it's the full moon or the smell of wet dog, but something's going on. <laughs> oh, no, get this over. Just get it. He's not He recently hairy, came too. back from Elkhorn, Wisconsin. It was my fault for sending him. You have to be more careful. It's called a callback. Check out our Were Beast episode. Well, anyways, without further ado, it's October 2022, which means it's time for Halloween. Spooktober is upon us. We've been saying we'd do a Halloween special, and this one certainly is special. We've got a compilation of stories sent in by listeners just like you of their real life encounters with the spooky. And the strange. Well put. So, B, you ever had any spooky encounters yourself? Any tales of the spooks or the ghosts or the goblins? You
1: know, I've I haven't had any definitive experiences. I've I've definitely blamed certain gas events on ghosts in the past. I've seen some things that I can't explain, but I'm I'm under the impression that I'm too naive to understand the difference between just random events and a ghost happening. So, if there are ghosts around me, I might be too dumb to realize it. That's fair. What about you?
0: You know, doing this as long as I have, I've seen some weird things, but tonight's not about our stories, it's about the listener's stories. And being that it's Halloween, I don't think there's a more perfect time. You know, we did just have a listener send in some photos from a ghost hunt he did back in the Carolinas in an old, old time cemetery. And he got some cool pictures. We'll put that up on the Instagram. Yes, they're definitely worth seeing. Usually when we get photos of orbs, I'm always leaning towards it's a bug or it's a speck of dust or Mm -hmm. something like that. Something very easily explainable. But I think the radiant blue hue of this spectral thing gives it enough of an oomph to uh, really be interesting, you know? And some people believe that that blue color is associated with a specter that is completely at peace. So it's just floating around and chilling just because it can float around and chill.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And I've, I've seen the picture and it's, it is interesting. My first, my first impression or first step is always to see if it can be debunked, just like you said. And I, I really don't see anything simple or explainable straight out of the gate. I think the best thing to do is let the listeners decide.
0: Yeah, and that's what this time of year is all about. It's always been that right after the fall equinox, it starts getting darker, start having the dying of the light. There's no more growing happening. It's time to hunker down and deal with the darker side of life. Mm -hmm. So cultures have always considered this to be the time of the dead. This is the time of year where the veil between the mortal men and those beyond becomes the thinnest. So, in fact, dating all the way back to the ancient Romans and even farther back, the ancient Celts, the ancient Celts celebrated the festival of Samhain, you know, a celebration of the dying of the light, the end of the harvest, a time when the dead walked among us. They'd have a massive bonfire and then dress in costume to ward off evil spirits. The Romans, after they conquered the Celts in most of the lands that they inhabited, Kind of incorporated with their traditions. In late October, there was a festival, though specifically for a Day of the Dead, a day of remembrance for the dead, the dead passing on. And then the day after that would be a celebration of the goddess of fruit trees, Pomona. But the Celtic celebration is the one that survived, and it is now what we consider the point of Spooktober. Back in the day. In order to civilize the pagan masses celebrating this occult time of year, Pope Gregory III moved All Saints Day or All Hallows Day to November 1st. Samhain, the day before, became All Hallows Eve or Halloween and is now the most popular Celtic holiday in the United States, followed only by St. Patty's Day. I didn't know that. Yeah, freaking love Halloween. As you can tell. In fact, back in the day, uh, do you know the story of the jack-o'-lantern?
1: I don't think I do.
0: It's a little off topic, but we'll go into it real quick. So the original jack-o'-lanterns were carved turnips, and they looked terrifying, right?
1: Turnips themselves look terrifying, yes.
0: And the story goes that a man named Jack tricked the devil himself into not allowing his soul into hell so jack was stingy jack he had a lot of nicknames all of them about being a real piece of work one day he meets satan satan loves his exploits loves his work they decide to go drinking so they start pounding the brewskis right good old jacko pumpkin ale that i'm sipping on in my left hand here we are not endorsed by sam adams but i'd love to be someday if you're listening (laughs) after a few brewskis sam uh, not sam jack (laughs) uh, bet the devil that he could not shrink down to a size that would fit in his pocket and satan being satan was like dude i'm the best at everything watch this so he hops into jack's pocket where there is a silver crucifix And as we discussed in previous episodes, silver being the bane of the damned, it prevents the devil from transforming back. So Jack makes him a deal that he would release the devil as long as the devil would never claim his soul. devil agreed, begrudgingly left, and on the day Jack died, well, he couldn't get into heaven and they wouldn't let him into hell. He was cursed to roam the earth with nothing but a turnip lantern to guide his way. Hence the jack-o'-lantern, the lantern of Jack.
1: So you're telling me that the devil was such a fan of this guy that he had to sit down and drink with him?
0: Yeah, that's how what? it goes. I, I hear there's a lot of uh, rock stars that had similar experiences. You know, I saw Ten D in The Pick of Destiny.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not
0: that far off.
1: It is a documentary.
0: But it moved from turnip to pumpkins because huge turnips weren't as plentiful as pumpkins being everywhere in the U.S. when the Irish came over. But now that we've been off topic for a little bit, still on topic because it's Halloween, Mm -hmm. let's just go in and paint this dark, spooky picture. We have been lucky enough to have a fan base and a listener base who actively want to participate with the show. And that is the coolest thing to me about doing this show. So without further ado, I would like to start sharing some of these stories. Let's get into it. First one's anonymous, but he writes in, I work at a warehouse, and I've had three separate experiences that have chilled me to the bone. The first, I was alone, about 2 a.m. on a forklift in this building, and I distinctly heard from below the voice of someone calling my name. Going on, later had another event, still on the same lift, and I heard five distinct metal-on-metal metal sounds. But the air was still. It was not windy. And I was alone, the only person in this section of the building. Most recently, it's built up to a freaky one. A coworker and I were walking through the building, turning off the lights, shutting down. We both heard a simple, clear female voice. And what it said, I think was in Spanish, but I couldn't understand her. I stopped and said, you heard that, right? He agreed. He then said, time for a hasty retreat to the exit. I suppose if we thought about it, we could have acknowledged it better, but we had to get out of there. You know, that's, that's a good one.
1: Three different experiences in the same workplace would be uh, grounds for leaving, in my opinion.
0: I would figure, it sounds like this is building up. So the more and more this builds up, if more and more experience happens or if other coworkers start to see similar things, reach back out anonymous. And uh, we'd love to hear updates. Indeed. All right. Next up, this is a very short one, but it kind of piqued my fancy because this is a place that we can go as a group and check out for ourselves. Right? Absolutely. So Matt writes of an experience at the Lemp mansion in St. Louis, Missouri visiting a notoriously haunted location with my girlfriend, the Lemp Mansion. I had something tug on my hood. I had something tug on the hood of my sweatshirt. I thought it was my girlfriend at the time and that she was pulling a fast one on me. But as I looked around, I was completely alone in the room. The night went on to the next day. All I know is we met a couple who spent part of their honeymoon there and they told us that in their honeymoon suite, the TV kept turning on at full volume. And the next morning they finally found the remote and it was under a piece of furniture without any batteries in it. Short, sweet, and spooky. Love it. Absolutely. What you,
1: I was just saying that this one seems pretty credible, especially at a, such a notorious location. I, I I always find it unnerving when things are physically moved. It lets you know that there's there's some sort of powerful force there. Yeah. Well, after hearing that, I do have a story as well. So this one comes from Stevie in Colorado.
0: All right. What does she say? Stevie
1: says this. She gives the actual address to the house, but I decided to take it out because it seems like people have just moved in there. The Last thing they need is a warning or maybe that's the first thing they need, but. We'll let them figure it out on their own.
0: So, How awful would it be if they organically found this by themselves and then realized that their house is haunted?
1: I mean, if you think it's it, DM the address. But that's also a weird thing to do is just DM your address because you think it's spooky, so probably don't do that.
0: That's fair. All right. Tell me about Stevie's encounter.
1: All right. I moved across the States with a boyfriend. I asked him to get a house for us to make sure that we had a good landing spot for myself and my 18th month old child. We found something nice outside of Colorado Springs. At the time, he had worked out a deal with the owner that if they fixed up the place, they could get a discount on the rent. So he had paid the previous owner to fix it up for them. However, she had only finished halfway before completely abandoning the place, leaving all of her belongings behind, including her bed, her clothes, everything.
0: So that was a girl that lived there before them?
1: Yes, So the previous tenant had completely disappeared, dropped all of her belongings, and left. And that was their first red flag. The first day or two, I noticed a very strange energy. But when I brought it up, everybody told me that I was imagining things. I noticed that objects would move or be hidden from sight, and the air would feel thick. It seemed that everyone was fighting over pointless issues, something that normally we wouldn't argue over. One day we had a friend stay with us, and he had a puppy. We let all three of our dogs out to play when I looked out the window and I saw his puppy laying motionless in the backyard. We rushed out in a panic, and when we got closer, we saw the puppy had choked to death with its paws somehow entangled in its collar. The story goes on. My boyfriend would go out often, so I took it upon myself to sage the house in hopes of getting rid of whatever I felt was watching me all the time. My boyfriend and roommate were best friends, having previously lived together before, but the constant tension had caused them to cut ties. After I saged the house, I'd felt like it was working, so I started to relax a bit. One evening, my boyfriend and I sat down to watch a movie after putting my son to sleep in his room. I sat on the couch, drank a glass of wine, and I heard the bathroom door open. I thought maybe it was the dogs getting into the toilet, so I got up to tell him to stop. When I noticed both the dogs were sleeping on the dog bed, I sit down again, relax, drink some more wine. When I hear the bathroom door open again, I get up and check the dogs, but they're still sleeping. I check in on my son. He's also asleep. I figured it was probably the fans in our basement. We had a growing room that was likely causing the pressure change that opened the door. I brush it off once again and we go to bed. My boyfriend falls asleep immediately but I was still awake, so I scrolled through Instagram. All the lights are off with the exception of my phone screen when the silence is broken by the sound of a little girl laughing in their walk-in closet.
0: Oh, dude.
1: I tried to wake my boyfriend up, but he's dead asleep. I cover my head with the blankets and somehow eventually fall asleep. Around 3 a.m., my boyfriend slams into the doorframe of the bedroom. He starts screaming, Wake up! Wake up! He told me that all the toys in the living room were going off, loudly, every single toy. So I got up to see if it was the baby, but he was still sound asleep. I was panicking with him. I told him about the laughs that I had heard from the closet just a few hours earlier. and We had leapt into bed and huddled there for the entire night. It was just a horrifying experience. After that whole experience, I spoke to somebody who said that sometimes when you do a saging, you can get rid of any good spirits and make the bad spirits stronger. I didn't know that, and probably should never have done it without an expert or someone who knew what they were doing. But the energy in the house continued to feel really bad, so I talked to a few neighbors about my experiences. They mentioned that they never noticed anything strange about the house, but that the house never stayed occupied for long. People were always moving in and out rapidly. We decided it was best if we left before the tension had affected our relationship further. The final incident happened when he had woken up with scratches all over him, and he had accused me of doing it while he was sleeping. It was such an absurd accusation that I told him we couldn't stay there any longer. We immediately left.
0: That's legitimately spooky.
1: Yeah, again, having things move is just very unsettling, but to hear a little girl laughing or just these these big physical changes is something that warrants concern in my mind.
0: Honestly, this this story from Stevie, and I know we've been sitting on it for a while, so I think she'll be happy that the story made it into the episode finally. It seems like it has all the hallmark traits of something legitimately demonic. Something that's a dark entity, an evil spirit. Absolutely.
1: I mean, she mentions that she had used Sage multiple times, and it only seemed to get worse. I think it's also interesting that At the time of recording this, there's a new family moving into this house currently. It makes me wonder how long the previous tenants were there, how long these current tenants will be there, you know?
0: Next, there's going to be a prequel to the prequel of Paranormal Activity, where they do a podcast about the spooky shit in the house before they move in.
1: God, I cannot watch another Paranormal Activity. Don't make me do it.
0: Well, Stevie, thank you for sending this in. I'm sorry it took so long to uh, get it on the roster. Hope you and your family are doing good these days.
1: Absolutely. Stay safe. But I, I do have another one, if you're ready for it.
0: All right. Where's this one out of? This one's
1: out of California, the not-so-great state of California.
0: Only One of the only Mediterranean climates outside of the Mediterranean.
1: Good fun fact there. Well, another fun fact is that, according to this report, there was a sighting of a skinwalker.
0: Oh, actually, dude, I saw a photo of a skinwalker making the rounds. Let me send it to you in the back channel real quick. Okay. And we'll put it up in reference to this story, because this blows my mind. Love it. Sorry, real quick, not to derail you too much.
1: No, you're fine. Anything about skinwalkers I'm trying to see, because they horrify me.
0: Okay, look at this thing. Look at his red eyes. Oh, Allegedly uh, taken in 1996 by a Utah family.
1: It looks like that thing might have horns, and the the face is so. I mean, it looks skeletal. That's you know, it's it's interesting that you would bring this up. This reminds me a lot of the story that we're about to hear.
0: That's exactly what caught my eye. It's almost uh, providential that the two of them fell in my lap at the same time. Absolutely. Okay, tell me about the skinwalker this guy I saw in California.
1: Yeah, so this story is simply titled I Saw a Skinwalker. So the Skinwalker was there on a bridge that I was heading under while driving on the freeway. And again, this is in California, unspecified where.
0: Actually, it's on Highway 101.
1: Highway 101, look at you. That's some good detective work. So here on Highway 101, I was driving under a bridge, and that's where I saw the skinwalker on top of this bridge. And I caught what well, was probably a good three-second glimpse of it. And this thing was huge. It was close to nine or ten feet tall. And it looked somewhat like a camel, but with a strange, tattered cloak all over it. And immediately, if you've seen the picture, you're you're seeing what I'm describing. Now, its hands were positioned somewhat like Spock's Live Long and Prosper sign, where two fingers and two fingers are split apart somewhat of an Edward Scissorhands, had walked very, very creepily, very slowly, up and down, somewhat like a hunchback man, and again, walking extremely slow. Its face seemed like an oval, close to featureless, similar to a character in a popular movie, Spirited Away, the character No-Face. I could tell the size of the skinwalker was abnormally large, seeing countless people walking on this bridge before, where all you could see is their head and the top of their shoulders. But this was definitively larger than that.
0: That's spooky. To go back to that picture, if you compare that as maybe a front facing view, I could imagine that its side profile looks a lot like the unidentified Amarillo object that we reviewed in our uh, where hounds of hell episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Another great callback.
0: I think it's to the same episode. We're we're going to reference where Hounds of hell a few times in this episode. It feels like at least a few times more. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, compile our notes to see the order that we're going through, because unfortunately we're down a G man tonight. And we'll be right back with you. Back, continuing on our adventure into the misty otherworldly stories from the other side, sent in by our favorite people in the world, our listeners. This next story was something that I really liked. I think this might be one of the best stories that we have. This is sent in by a Mr. Rusty Shackleford out of Washington State. I assume that's a pen name being that Rusty Shackelford is one of the most famous conspiracy theorists of all time. So, there's a place in Spokane, Washington, that used to be called Hangman's Hill, because in 1858, Colonel Wright hung the chief of the Yakima, Chief Qualchan, and several other natives on the hill. These folks got no trial, all they got was the gallows. Before this massacre, they renamed the area from its original designation, Lata to Hangman. Later, much later, they built a large housing development on the hill and returned to the name Lata because who would want to live on Hangman's Hill? One of my best friends growing up lived in a house right off Qualtran Road, and his family had many experiences with the paranormal in this home. This included seeing a full body apparition of a man that they believed to be Chief Qualchan standing in their kitchen, another where a young native girl sat on their stairs and then when acknowledged she got up and walked through the wall to leave closer to when i had my experience the atmosphere in the house became darker and darker the day before my stay in the dark of the basement in the center of the house it sounded like their anti-social cat had been thrown against the ceiling and then thrown against the wall where it then escaped from whatever had done that and ran straight into the arms Of my friend, meowing incessantly, all of which was not told to me prior to my stay at the home. On a cold December night, I chose to sleep in the basement on the couch nearest the fireplace. On the floor next to me were the owner's two German shepherds. I was awoken at 3 a.m. to the two dogs backed up against me, growling in a protective stance into the darkness like they were between me and an intruder. After realizing what was going on, I looked at whatever it was that these dogs were protecting me from. A large pitch black specter with red eyes glared at me from the shadowy hallway leading to the center of the basement. Unable to finish whatever it had started, this abyssal phantom faded back into the darkness. I know this wasn't a dream because I did not go back to sleep. I spent the rest of the night petting the dogs and thanking them for their service. The next morning at breakfast, I asked if the house was haunted and was then told about the other experiences that had happened to the family who lived there. With a new appreciation for the phenomena, we tried our hands at ghost hunting that night. After a mostly uneventful night and one friend too scared to look for the ghost with us, we decided to antagonize whatever was haunting the property. As we called the large dark entity who seemed to try to scare us before, some sort of a coward in more profane language than that. Our light immediately cut out. As the light went out, I yelled to begin snapping pictures, one of which seemed to be a tilted head, a torso, and a left arm hanging from the ceiling. With a Bible in one hand, we attempted to banish whatever this entity was from the home. Complete novices, we were not prepared or completely serious. A dream catcher nailed to the wall began to spin wildly until it suddenly stopped. Not long after that, the family sold the house and moved away. All I hope is that we didn't make it worse for the next family who moved in. They had to have made it worse. Maybe. I imagine that whole place is haunted. Like, all the houses on that hill you just murdered a bunch of natives and they don't ex- and thought they could rename it something cute. This it sounds just like the plot to Poltergeist, but if you do the digging, you'll find that the backstory on this is 100% true. I think that's
1: especially interesting how many of these come from, say, the west half of the northern United States. Something spooky's happening on the west, and I don't quite like it.
0: It could be that, or it could just be what our listener base, where they're at, you know?
1: I mean, that's also pretty valid, but previous episode, I believe I did mention that... I did mention the UFO sightings were the most prevalent in the West Coast.
0: We did have a, quite a few UFO stories submitted, but being that uh, this is a spooky ghost-themed episode, unfortunately, I'm not including UFO stories.
1: I would imagine there's enough to fill an entire episode there.
0: Yeah, listener writes in, One time I seen a ghost! <laughs> <laughs> this next up story... Is from Alex, who you know he wrote us a couple stories, but of the ones that we got, he he did a pretty good job, so we put them all in. Alex in Utah. I'll take the first one. You take the next two. Okay. Sounds good. So this first story is titled "The Mist." And again, Alex, thank you for turning these in. When I was about eight years old, we lived in a modest one-floor rambler built in 1946 in Sugar House, Utah. The house had originally had two original bedrooms and a master built on. I got one of these original rooms myself while my sister shared the other with our stepsister at the time. The doors to our rooms faced each other on opposite sides of the hallway and the master bedroom was added on to the west with a bathroom to the east facing each other in the dead center of the hallway. My headboard was against the wall nearest the door with a window at the foot of my bed and a massive hand-built gas-powered bi-wing airplane mounted above me. When I laid in bed, I could look down at my feet and count all the stars in the sky, or I could look to my left and see down the hall. One night, about 3 a.m., I woke up laying on my side, and I was facing down the hall, not even sure why I woke up. I just laid there staring. A few minutes passed, and a bright light erupted out of my sister's room. Their door was closed but I could see the light, not just from under the door, but all the way around the door. It was at this time that I tried to sit up, but I realized I was unable to move. After fighting for what felt like an hour, I was finally able to roll over right out of bed and onto the ground. As soon as I hit the ground, this mist started to drift out from the door across the hall. The door was still lit up with the same light, but it was closed tight, still unable to move. I noticed that the mist was getting thicker and pooling on the floor. As the mist started to creep towards me, it started to block out the light until I was completely encased in this mist. That was all that happened until I woke up in the morning, still on the floor, looking down the hall. We only lived in the house for a few more months, but I would think back to that night often, wondering and confused about what I had seen. I recently told my story to this family. They didn't know what to think and just changed the subject when I asked if anyone had ever seen the mist
1: seeing mist in your own house must must feel like such a surreal event
0: it sounds like if you had a really bad sleep paralysis that also was in the twilight zone
1: that's actually really interesting having the second story to go off of that on okay so this one's called the tall man and this is also from alex so a few years later We lived in a house in Murray, another suburb of Salt Lake City. This house felt much heavier than any of the other houses we'd lived in up to this point. There were entire rooms in the lower half of the house that I would avoid at any cost. I especially recall the room closest to the furnace. There was such a strong force in that room that when I would peek into it, the darkness would cover the ceiling in the back half of the room. Never seen anything like that. It was in this house that my mother had seen a shadow person. This is where I I really feel that it relates to what she just said about sleep paralysis. So his, his story goes like this. One night, my mom had fallen asleep on the couch to a movie. She woke a few hours later. The TV had turned off because of the sleep timer. But our dog, Frodo, was growling at something as he laid by her feet. He was focused down the hall and would not break his stare. As she looked past the arm of the couch to follow his gaze, she had seen the tall man. He was completely black, but she could see that he had a trench coat on. He was walking down the hallway away from her. When he reached the end of the hall, he turned to the left and entered my sister's room. At this point, she freaked out, thinking someone had broken in and was going to kidnap or harm her daughter. She started screaming, turning every light on as she ran towards my sister's room. When she arrived, no one was there. She woke up my sister and I and told us that if we ever saw anyone or anything that should not be in the house, to let her know immediately. Thankfully, neither of us did.
0: That sounds like the rash of sightings from a few years back of the Hat Man. You remember the Hat Man. Right yeah. I do. So do you want to talk about it? Or do you want me to take no. it?
1: Away? Please talk about it. My only experience with the hat man is when I take too much Benadryl.
0: You know what? You're not too far off. So there's a shared nightmare kind of among all sorts of people all across the world of a dark shadowy entity in a black hat. Uh, The Australians made that movie. The Babadook has the hat man in it. There is a Romanian folk song the kids play kind of like ring around the rosie which is dark in itself ring around the rosie is all about people dying of the plague and you trying to cover up the scent of the dead bodies with posies but omul negru is the uh, romanian version of this where again it's a dark entity in a black cap the black man omul negru our word for it over here And something that people, you know, only use as a joking phrase is the boogeyman. But I just think it's so weird that so many people have this experience of the dark man, the boogeyman, this creature of shadow that haunts your house and your nightmares.
1: That actually reminds me, there's a Stephen King novel adapted to a Netflix movie called Gerald's Game. In there is this really tall, lanky, ghoulish man who's, I mean, covered by the, the shadows and you just see a, a dark silhouette for most of the movie. But they refer to him as the Moonlight Man. It seems to line up exactly with what you're saying, though this is obviously fiction.
0: Well, here's, here's the thing. like, If enough people put like the psychic energy of something into the ether, does that fuel the manifestation of something to be a real spectral entity? I think it's called, uh, the belief is a tulpa. And that's something that uh, Clyde Lewis out of Portland, Oregon on Ground Zero always talks about is a tulpa or tulpamancy, where the idea is that if, and I believe it comes from uh, Buddhist thought, That if enough people put their energy, thought, and beliefs into something, it physically manifests in the real world. Like, in the same vein of all these dark, tall, boogeyman-type figures, right? The modern-day one would be the Slender Man. That started out as a creepypasta, and it started out as a Photoshop contest, but it's had some very serious real-world effects where we had those two teen girls a few years ago, try to stab their classmate to death in order to sacrifice her to the Slender Man and become brides of the Slender Man. In fact, just the other day, I was at a small uh, community center for some town event and completely unprompted out of the blue, I found a child's, crayon drawing of something that looked like the Slender Man. It was pretty spooky.
1: I feel that kids in this day and age have some pretty spooky dreams. They keep telling me about Siren Head or some sort of god awful creature on YouTube. So I think I think that if there is this reality of manifesting something into existence, especially something this negative, I I think we need to stop the kids immediately blind them, shut them down, EMP the internet, whatever it takes, but I'm not dealing with Five Nights at Freddy's characters.
0: Oh, that'd be awful. That'd be I pretty believe bad. Uh, Wes Craven, when he made uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, right? Yes. You know, Freddy Krueger as a character is very in the same vein as what we're discussing right now. And I know we're on a large tangent, but there was a serial killer once Uh, called the Night Slasher, and he seemed to be directly ripped out of Nightmare on Elm Street. And the worry was, at least to Wes Craven, as far as the story that I heard goes, is that by putting Freddy Krueger out into the universe, it manifested into the Night Slasher. Now, does this have any correlation to do with the arcade game? The arcade game Night Slasher? I am unaware of it. Ah, that's
1: okay. It's uh it's pretty decent. It's if we're talking video games, side scrolling fighters, I give it bottom 50
0: out of 50 of all of them I ever made.
1: I mean, we're talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're talking the Simpsons arcade game, we're talking Spider-Man Maximum Carnage.
0: You're talking like X- all any X-Men. of these games are side scroller beat em ups.
1: Batman Forever and that that movie's a dog. It's or that game rather It's a dog. It's awful. Still probably better than Night Slashers.
0: Right. Well, if it's responsible for that awful video game, then that's something to feel even worse about, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Sorry to go on this long tangent about uh, dark archetypes and uh, not to get too Jungian on you, but maybe there's a mold of things that are in this world. And uh, so many spooky shadow things fit into that mold.
1: Absolutely. So, if you are prepared for another instance of a shadow person sighting, Alex regales us with something much more recent.
0: Okay. Alex from Utah originally. Well, from Utah. What's uh, the next one? Security Who?
1: Security Who goes as follows. My only shadow person experience happened a few years back. I was a systems administrator for a small company in central Utah. One of my responsibilities was security for the entire building. We had a small office and a one-floor building. We could only have about 30 desks in this building and the open floor plan. One evening, I was doing my rounds to see who was left in the building before I started turning off the lights and locking up. I had cleared the entire place before the front two offices. As I was walking around the corner, I noticed the accountant was still working. I started talking with her. I was leaning on the door frame on her office. I looked down the hallway just in time to see a gentleman in a black hoodie turn around the corner. So I told the accountant, looks like we aren't the last two in the office. Let me go see who that was. I will be right back. So I walked down the hall and I'm shouting, hello, hello, there's no response. And as I rounded the corner, I heard some papers falling off a desk, so I went to that cubicle. No one was there, and I did an entire sweep of the office again, checking under every desk, closet, nook, and cranny. No one else was in the building. I still wasn't convinced, though, and I was afraid that my job could have possibly been on the line, so I sat at my desk, and I reviewed the security camera footage. Sure enough, the camera facing down the hall didn't show a single person except for me walking down the hallway, talking to myself. So I returned to the accountant's office. She hits me with the classic, you look like you've just seen a ghost. I told her that I had, but it wasn't anything that I felt was in a threatening way. But we ended up leasing that building for seven years, and that was the only thing that I had heard of happening at this entire area. That's another shadow person experience. If I've seen two shadow people in my lifetime, something's going on i'd start wearing a cross or bathing holy water
0: you know they say if you do too many of those things it starts becoming a challenge to evil spirits so instead of like calling them like you were trying to you just attract them interesting but i i want to go out and i want to thank alex for sending these in uh we got a we got quite the list of you know short stories short encounters. And these ones took, he took his time sending these in to us. So I figured we'd just go ahead and keep the three short ones in. They were good ones. All right. I got another another one for you. So do you have any opinion of Ouija boards?
1: I won't go near them. I don't respect people that have Ouija board decorations, like the Ouija board backpack, Ouija board earrings. Those people are not to be tolerated.
0: Yeah, people are like, oh, it's a kid's game. It's made by the Parker Brothers or Hasbro or Milton or whatever. And I'm like, what part of trying to contact the dead and or dark entities is a kid's game to you?
1: Yeah, if I can't smoke a swisher past 11.49 p.m., I don't deserve to be playing the Ouija game, you know? If I can't sign up for the military, should I be conjuring the dead?
0: So this next one is from Louie from Texas titled never play with a Ouija board. In the fall of 1987, I was invited to a sleepover with seven other girls. We'll call one of them Jess. So this was at Jess's mother's house. The house was an old craftsman in an older neighborhood across the river from where we all lived. After we all arrived, it was decided that we'd go into the basement, and play with a Ouija board that Jess's mom had. First red flag. Why the mom got a Ouija board? Probably because they Great thought it question. was a kids game. Hence why they gave it to the kids. We all had arguments on how to start it, who was going to touch it first, what questions we were going to ask, and of course, how many candles we needed to get for it. So Jess ran around the house gathering candles, and we finally got started. Three of the eight girls put their hands on the planchette and it started to move. They all started accusing each other of moving it and laughing. Lots of nonsense. No actual words were coming through, but yes and no questions were being answered. When it became my turn to ask a question, I didn't know what to say. The only dead person I could think of was my grandfather, so I asked if I could talk to him. The planchet immediately swung to no. I asked again, and it went with force to no and then flew off the board when it hit the ground one of the candles went out that was enough for all of us we be done with the board so we went up to the main floor to watch a movie the movie of choice witch board about halfway through the movie two of the girls wanted to get the board and go upstairs to a room that was like a closet but had a window in it they took one candle and shut the door i was tired Didn't want to watch the movie anymore. So I said I was going to bed and went upstairs to the bedroom across from the odd closet like room that the two girls playing with the Ouija board were in. I was in the bed. It was dark and I had the door closed. This room had a bed and a small dresser in it and a large walk in closet that looked like an alcove. There was no door on it and no clothes hanging up as this was the spare room. The radio was going, and I remember hearing it saying it was 5 to midnight as I was drifting off. Suddenly, I was awoken by the whole bed shaking. It was shaking like someone was at the foot of the bed, shaking it hard. The radio at the time was saying that it was 5 after midnight. I sat up in the bed, still moving, and looked around. No one was in the room with me. I got on my knees to get a better look around the bed. I see no one but the bed is still shaking. That was enough. I leapt off the bed into the closet and the two girls are asking me what is going on and if I was okay. And I just ran past them to see what girls were missing from the group downstairs. They're all accounted for. I asked who was up in the room. No one was there, they told me. The two girls that were with the board said that it was being crazy and they thought the other girl was just moving it around. And it happened at the same time that I ran out of the bedroom. There were lots of tears and 8th grade girl nonsense. But the night ended with us still having to sleep in that room. No one would sleep on the bed. We all slept in the walk-in closet, huddled together. We've spoken about it over the years. And no one has ever touched a Ouija board since.
1: At least one good thing came out of that encounter.
0: Yeah, the life rule, never fuck with a Ouija board?
1: Yep, they learned. Again, I've I've said it probably three times this episode. Something powerful enough to shake something as heavy as a bed should not be trifled with. And even if it was, say, the mother playing a prank on just one of her daughter's kids, that woman's got to you know, it'd be awful. But I mean, after a slumber party with seven of them, I get it.
0: You single out one girl. To pull a demonic joke on.
1: You got to get to 8 a.m. somehow.
0: Oh, geez.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that a suburban mom could shake a bed so violently like that. I don't think there's anything that would explain a bed shaking. How often does your bed shake? Don't answer that.
0: <laughs> Depends <laughs> on if it's date night or not. Steak night. Steak night. Well, it's really sad that... Uh, G man fell ill. You know they say something. Got to go up in here somewhere.
1: God, dude, he <laughs> had me on the edge of my seat.
0: <sighs> this is pretty. Neat. Anyways, what, what do you think? Uh, this is just a sample of what I considered some of the better stories that g- came in. uh Do you have any favorites? What'd you like?
1: I think that we've really experienced, or we've been blessed with listeners that have experienced some truly paranormal things personally i've never experienced anything like that and i don't know what i would do in those situations
0: i feel like once you have something of the unexplained happen to you what you do that from then on out is you keep an eye out for it and you're always trying to look into and research what the hell happened and am i the crazy one or not So it would make sense that the folks that have had these kind of experiences have also found Invasion of the Weird because it's just weird. This has been Invasion of the Weird. That was certainly weird. Have a safe October. If you're not sober this spooktober, make sure you have a designated driver and have a safe but spooky Halloween. This is Agent H signing off Invasion of the Weird.